0: Welcome to Hancock Talks, your source for insights about life insurance trends and opportunities with a focus on tactics that can help drive your sales. This podcast is for financial professional use only. It is not intended for use with the public. This material is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide advice. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Please listen to the important disclosures at the end of this podcast. Now let's get started with your host, Karen Egan. Hello, welcome to Hancock
1: Talks and thanks for being with us today. Today, we're joined by Kevin Blanton, an associate counsel in our advanced markets group. Kevin has been with John Hancock for more than 20 years. And prior to that, he spent a decade in private practice in estate and tax planning in the Boston area. So welcome, Kevin.
2: Thanks, Karen. Good to be here.
1: Well, Kevin, the recent election and the annual year-end activities are really converging And now wealthy clients are busy working with their legal and tax advisors on their wealth transfer strategies. In that area, what planning strategies are wealthy clients really focusing on now?
2: Uh, Sure, Karen. Uh, Wealthier clients are taking steps now to use their existing gifting limits beyond the annual gift tax exclusion. As most of our listeners know, the inflation index basic exclusion amount for 2020 is 11.58 million for individuals which translates into 23.16 million for a married couple and of course those amounts go up in 2021 to 11.7 million for individuals and 23.4 million for a married couple but if clients don't use these exemptions before the 2026 sunset or an earlier law change uh, if any they could lose the ability to use it at all So those clients who can benefit from the current high estate gift and GST exemptions have a significant incentive to act now. Some planners are suggesting that at least one spouse use up his or her entire basic exclusion amount to fully utilize the exemption.
1: Okay, so for clients who are not willing to make that large of a gift right now, or those that might want to wait and see how the elections settle out and how likely it is that Congress will lower the basic exclusion amount. What are actions that you see those individuals taking?
2: Oh, sure. Wealthier clients who don't already have suitable vehicles are having irrevocable trusts drafted now so that they'll be in place and they can quickly gift to those trusts if it appears that a law change is imminent but it's, it's important to remember that estate planning attorneys serving wealthier clients are extremely busy right now. It could be difficult to schedule time with them at the last minute as a law change becomes imminent or, or directly thereafter. So if a law change is coming and the client's need to be able to act quickly, they'll already have that trust in place and to facilitate a, a quick response If needed, uh, many are considering wait-and-see loans, and what that means is making a loan presently to an irrevocable trust. Mostly, we see that with an intentionally defective trust, grantor trust, that is, so that depending on future circumstances and, and the client's goals, the trust can either repay the note in full back to the grantor or the grantor slash lender can make a gift to the trust by forgiving all or a portion of the loan. A variation of that, a similar strategy, is for the grantor to sell hard assets, non-cash assets, to an intentionally defective trust. Like the wait-and-see loan, the trust can choose, you know, under the circumstances in the future, either to repay the loan in full, or the grantor can forgive all or part of the note under that sale. Now, these these strategies lock in extremely low AFRs, the applicable federal rates, and shift the growth outside of the client's taxable estate on those assets that have been sold or the cash as it earns in the trust for estate tax purposes. And just by way of reminder, uh, it's currently December when we're recording this. The short-term AFR is 0.15% mid term which is 3 to 9 years uh, 0.48 and long term longer than 9 years 1.31% just ridiculously low setting up this structure now puts the client in a position of being able to act very quickly if gift and estate tax exemptions are we see that they're going to be reduced and of course since we're dealing with with trust loans and uh, and gifts to trust Life insurance is very often in used inside these types of uh, irrevocable trust just for the leverage.
1: Right. All right. Let's turn our attention to individual income tax rates. You know, this mm-hmm. is something that was talked a lot about during the election and given the possibility that in the Biden administration, income tax rates could rise for taxpayers with incomes exceeding 400,000 annually. So what are some of the areas where you feel planners can and and likely are focusing.
2: Uh, Sure, a change in income tax rates in 2021, if it happens, will almost certainly be effective retroactively to the beginning of 2021. But converting traditional IRAs, for instance, to Roth IRAs in 2020 is one way, and, and we're running out of time, but it's still possible to do that, is one way to accelerate income from those instruments prior to the effective date of potential future income tax increases, even if retroactive back to the beginning of the year. Similarly, if the income tax rates on capital gains increases for higher income taxpayers, or if the basis step up at death is limited or eliminated, that may make it more attractive to sell some long-term capital gain assets before the effective date of potential tax law changes, again, which would likely be retroactive to the beginning of the year. So many are, are taking those steps, uh, considering those steps, and and planners should keep in mind that if income tax rates increase, obviously, life insurance becomes comparatively uh, more attractive as an asset as compared to uh, to other assets that don't have the tax advantages of life insurance. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So uh, this might be a tough question, but do you anticipate seeing any tax law changes in the year ahead?
2: Uh <laughs> well, anyone who, uh, who says they knows the future is either lying or confused. Uh, but having said that, uh, President-elect Biden has, has put forth a lot of proposals during the campaign, which, to generalize, uh, largely mean a repeal of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, those tax cuts, but only for individuals with 400000 of adjusted gross income or more. And that includes for those high income earners, a return to the 39.6% maximum marginal income tax rate, a limitation on itemized deductions above the $400,000 amount, new additional payroll tax on income above that amount, and, and several other, uh, other lesser ones as well. That's, that's with respect to individual taxpayers under biden uh, biden's proposals uh, corporations with earnings above 100 million would face a reinstated alternative minimum tax of 15% and as you recall the uh, the amt was was repealed permanently for corporations under the tax cuts and jobs act but not for individuals so this would bring that back partially biden's proposals would also return the estate and generation-skipping transfer tax exclusions to the prior $3.5 million dollar, uh, level, gift tax would be decoupled, uh, so to speak, and would be held at $1 million for uh, the gift tax ex- exclusion. That is, uh, would be decoupled and held at the $1 million level during lifetime. And of course, uh, another proposal is that the maximum marginal estate tax rate would return back up to 45% from the 40% reduction. The proposals also, I think, significantly include an elimination of the step-up in basis at death, which would, in fact, be not so much eliminated, but replaced by a capital gains recognition at death. And that, in essence, would provide a step-up in basis, but only one purchased with tax uh, numerous exceptions to that elimination of step-up and basis such as gifts to surviving spouse and uh, many others which would still get the step up and even more nebulously <laughs> if, mm. if all of this hasn't been uh, enough uh, nebulous we also expect a continuation of a variety of the perennial green book proposals the budget proposals that come up pretty much every year and and almost never get past uh, such as Changes to grantor retained annuity trusts, grantor trust treatment, changing annual exclusion of uh, maximums being reduced and capped, dynasty trust treatment, valuation uh, discount limits, and so on and so forth. So those will come up as they always have, but but again, those never got acted on before.
1: Right. So do you think that the changes are likely, and and if so? Would they be made retroactive to the beginning of the year in which they're passed, even if that means in 2021?
2: Well, yes. Uh, I think uh, some changes, I mean, anytime an administration changes, and of course, that includes even when an incumbent is reelected, it's considered a new administration, there are always tweaks to uh, to the tax laws. I have to be careful here because this is one of my favorite topics and I can just swallow up swallow <laughs> right. up several hours. But but I think in essence that depends in in large part on which party controls the Senate after the Georgia runoff elections uh, in early January. Right. And just summarizing this very very generally this this all boils down to the fact that the Senate has the filibuster. The House does not, but the Senate does. Uh, And the filibuster means that, without going into it too much, that any bill can be killed, which can't be passed with a supermajority of 60% to 40%. Budget Reconciliation Acts cannot be filibustered. They merely have to be passed by a simple majority. Uh, So if you can qualify whatever it is that you're trying to pass as a Budget Reconciliation Act then you can get that passed with a simple majority. I promise there's a point here. <laughs> These uh, Budget Reconciliation Acts, of course, were subject to abuse. You could call anything a Budget Reconciliation Act. So in order to uh, control the abuse, back in the late 80s, early 90s, the uh, Byrd Rule was put in place by Senator Byrd from West Virginia. The Bird Rule, in essence, can kill any proposals that don't meet one of six different requirements and uh, and one of those it's relevant to us here is that any proposal that would raise the federal budget deficit at the end of the term of the budget being considered and uh, the term is maximum is 10 years could be killed by the Senate parliamentarian so tax increases such as we might expect under the Biden proposals do not increase the budget so there are not likely to be killed by the bird rule. They can be passed by a simple majority in a budget reconciliation act. But it depends on just how strong either party's majority is. If we have a very slim majority by Democrats, we really have to make sure that not one single person breaks ranks in the vote. If the Republicans retain control of the Senate, then they can kill pretty much any increase in taxes again, as long as no one breaks ranks. GOP controls the Senate, the likelihood of tax increases is small. But if the Democrats control, it's higher. But in either scenario, the majority power can't afford any defections. That should act to keep either party from getting too controversial. If you want to get anything passed in in that kind of an environment, you'd be well advised to play nicely.
1: So Kevin, with all of this uncertainty, what can clients be doing to be best prepared for whatever does end up coming down the pike?
2: Yeah, I think as I've been telling, as I told clients in private practice, and I've been saying this for decades, the most valuable thing in all planning and arguably the most valuable thing in in life is flexibility, the ability to change your mind tomorrow or 10 years from now, but you're not required to change your mind. So any planning that maximizes your flexibility, your ability to go right or left, depending on the circumstances, is going to be good. Many different tools that we have in our toolbox that allow maximum flexibility. Outright gifting, while we have the ability to do that right now, is a great opportunity. Outright gifting in a spousal access trust allows you to do the gifting, but retain some indirect control over the assets so that that flexibility is still there. Standby trusts are uh, also, as as we described earlier, also very, very valuable to have in place so that you're able to use them, you can turn on a dime. And of course, the wait and see loans that we talked about earlier as well, you've made a loan, you could keep it as a loan, or if circumstances change just a little or a lot, or you just change your mind, you can turn that loan into a gift and you really have more flexibility than you have in the current situation.
1: Well, you've certainly given us a lot to think about. And um, thank you for sharing some really great planning tips. And as always, um, thanks so much for being with me today.
2: Thanks for having me, Karen.
1: So let's move to our next segment of the show, the Advanced Markets Corner. I want to welcome back Anna Canelos. Karen, it's great to be back to share with our
3: listeners some of the popular tools we have here in the advanced markets that can help support the
1: planning Kevin was mentioning. Well, that's great to hear, Anna. Why don't you jump right in, let our listeners know how we can take what Kevin was talking about and actually put those ideas into action.
3: Absolutely.
1: As we anticipate a
3: lot of movement of wealth into trust for the high net worth individuals and expect to see them take advantage of gifting, here in the Advanced Markets Group, we have been specializing in the high net worth planning for over 25 years. In fact, we can tailor solutions based on customer needs and work closely with financial professionals in this space. So whether a financial professional needs to talk about clawback or show a proposed strategy that highlights gift to a trust, and leverage with life insurance, we have that capability to illustrate and navigate those plans. One of our best resources is our advanced markets blog, which we generally produce monthly. And we currently have a blog on tax reform and the opportunities in this space. We just published that one today, specifically with regards to many of the items discussed. In addition to our blog, our central intelligence is a great technical resource Kevin actually is a lead author on it, and reports real-time those legislative changes. So as things are a
1: moving target, this is a real good, great resource to take advantage of. Tell us more about how does Advanced Market tailor unique solutions for clients?
3: Our JH Solutions is our proprietary software system. And this can also be found in the desktop version of JH Illustrator. And we're happy to report that gifting is the next module that is available in this program. And that program can actually help demonstrate and tell the story about why gifting and buying life insurance should be considered and produces a client-friendly output that explains sort of the plan and the proposed solution versus the current situation.
1: Well, Advanced Markets is known for working in the high net worth space, but but how can our resources be leveraged to support other markets?
3: There is no doubt we
1: have expertise in
3: the high net worth space, but you are right. For those who are high income, we also have great tools such as our tax diversification client guide and fingertip tax guide that helps reinforce the message and the impact of taxes. So not just for the high net worth, but also for the high income individuals. And because these resources get updated year after year with the annual changes to the numbers, you will see these resources being updated to reflect 2020 changes and beyond. We also have a robust resource library to help navigate and create flexible plans for business planning needs. And these will also likely change with tax legislation. So we'll keep an eye on out for that and just stay tuned to the blogs and the many resources that we have available to really help keep up with the ever-changing landscape that we face in 2021 and the opportunities that we'll be able to take advantage of.
1: Well, Ana, thank you for reminding us of all of these great resources and we appreciate you being back here with us. Thanks for having me, Karen. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Hancock Talks. For more resources on today's topic, as well as access to more information about how to grow your insurance business, visit jhsaleshub.com. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the show. You'll get more new episodes as they become available. Thanks for listening.
0: The opinions expressed by participants are their own are subject to change and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Actual results may be more or less favorable. This material does not constitute advice. Anyone interested in these transactions or topics may want to seek advice based on his or her particular circumstances from independent professionals. Trust should be drafted by an attorney familiar with such matters in order to take into account income and estate tax laws, including the generation skipping tax. Failure to do so could result in adverse tax treatment of trust proceeds. Life insurance death benefit proceeds are generally excludable from the beneficiary's gross income for income tax purposes. There are few exceptions, such as when a life insurance policy has been transferred for valuable consideration. This material is not intended for use by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding any IRS penalty. Comments on taxation are based on John Hancock's understanding of current tax law, which is subject to change. No legal, tax, or accounting advice can be given by John Hancock its agents, employees, or licensed agents. Loans and withdrawals will reduce the death benefit, cash surrender value, and may cause the policy to lapse. Lapse or surrender of a policy with a loan may cause the recognition of taxable income. Policies classified as modified endowment contracts may be subject to tax when a loan or withdrawal is made. A federal tax penalty of 10% may also apply if the loan or withdrawal is taken prior to age 59 and a half. Life insurance products are issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company, USA, Boston, Mass., 02116, not licensed in New York, and John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, New York 10595. This recorded material may have been recorded to support the promotion or marketing of the topics addressed in this recorded material. Individuals interested in the topics discussed should consult with their professional advisors to examine legal, tax, accounting, or financial aspects of these topics. MLINY one nine two zero two seven five one